welcome to the Beef Bits Podcast. I'm Jeff Lemcooler, Extension Professor at the University of Kentucky, and I'll be your host for the Beef Bits Podcast. I'll be joined by colleagues and other guests to share general beef cattle management and production tips. I hope you enjoy the show and be sure to provide us with feedback on whichever platform you might be listening with. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and Give us your feedback on what you think about the content that we're sharing. Now let's get on with today's show. Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. Today I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Dare Bullock, and today we're going to chat a little bit about some of the newer EPDs, and I guess they're not so new anymore, Dare, are they? Well, they're, they're, I'm still going to call them new. Uh, they're one of our most recent EPDs. How about that? And, and we still don't have a large uptake uh, by most of the breeds. So I think we still call it that new category. All right. That's good to know. And so on today's uh, discussion, I've asked Dr. Bullock to um, visit with us a little bit about the claw set and foot angle EPDs. And uh, there, you know, this seems to be something that came out of a necessity for some of the breeds as we kind of progress through our selection and, and breeding practices. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you don't remember as well as I do, Jeff, but uh, we went through that phase in the 70s and early 80s of selecting so heavily on frame size and not paying enough attention to the structural correctness of our, our cattle that we caused a lot of problems. And, and I'll say it still happens to a large degree. It, um, it, it seems like that, uh, that, that some of our breeders can get so caught up in, in chasing this EPD or that one uh, and don't put enough pressure uh, on the structural correctness of the animals that it, it can get us into trouble. So we still quite see quite a few uh, bad-footed cattle out there, unfortunately. And I don't know that that would be unique to, uh, you know, beef cattle in general. I think we could say that the dairy industry maybe fell into that same trap uh, following milk production. Yep, I would say, I would say uh, most all of our livestock species at some time or another has struggled with this issue. And so the, the claw set and, and foot angle EPDs are something that have been developed to uh, try to give breeders a tool maybe to try to focus a little bit more on that, correct? Absolutely. And uh, it, it, it's, we kind of need to think of it, Jeff, this is the low hanging fruit uh, when we talk about structure. Uh, there's certainly other aspects of structure that are important that we still need to pay attention to. This can't be our sole selection criteria and think we're taking care of structure, but this is kind of the low hanging fruit that, um, that we can definitely, it's, it's fairly easy for producers to measure it, uh, the seed stock producers to send the data in uh, so that we can generate the EPDs and we can make change. It is a heritable trait. Uh, I've seen anywhere from around 0.25 to higher uh, for heritability. So um, we can certainly make a reasonably fast change for these traits and, and get our cattle straightened up uh, better than we've been doing in the past. And, and that is kind of a key principle, right, is that we need, 
to, to make selection uh, pressure and, and changes, um, the, the more heritable that trait, the quicker that change will occur, correct? Absolutely. Uh, so with the highly heritable traits, that's typically our carcass traits, frame size, things like that. Uh, we can change those things really fast. Uh, lowly heritable examples would be like reproduction, uh, health traits, things like that tend to be slower in terms of being able to make genetic change. And so uh, this falls kind of in that medium category about like weaning weight or other growth traits um, is where uh, this heritability falls. So uh, every, everybody can see that we've made drastic changes to, to weaning and yearling weights in our cattle. So if we can do it with those traits, we can certainly do it with, with our foot angle and claw set. Well, that's good news. And so let's maybe dive into this. So you mentioned it's relatively easy for folks to measure. And um, how are those, let's just start with claw set as the first one. How, how would you okay. go about measuring claw set? So claw set is, is basically looking at the structure of the hoof. Okay. And, and, and so first of all, our, our commercial guys don't really need to worry about this. Commercial data is not used in generating EPDs. So to get the EPDs, the data comes from the seed stock industry. And so there is basically a scale that we measure the, the claw set on. And it's a one to nine scale uh, with, ideal being in the middle is the five. And so if you think of five as being the ideal, so that's that evenly kind of space, that that good sized hoof, uh, but not a whole lot of splay to it, and certainly not the curling and overlapping of the claw. And so when you have the very wide splayed type of a hoof, uh, that's a one. And, and all the way up to a nine, a nine is where the basically the, the claws cross each other. Um, and then, like I say, the, the midpoint or the five uh, is, is the ideal. And that's where we have a little separation of the claw, uh, but, but it's not, not widely splayed or overlapping. And as we look at that claw set, you know, one to nine, one being splay, nine being that kind of overlapping on the, uh, as those uh, kind of claws come to a point at the front of the, the hoof there. What would you say we've seen more of a challenge with recently? Any more on that splay footedness or more on the overlapping? I'm going to say the overlapping. Uh, I think we see far more of that, it, it, particularly when you talk about the extremes. Now, we see some splay hoofed type cattle, of course, but I, I don't really often see that in extreme unless we're talking about a really old animal. Uh, whereas the, the overlapping of the claws, uh, that to me, I, I see much more of that. And, and maybe it, who knows, Jeff, it might be one of those things where it's just more obvious, but, but I, I, it, it sure disturbs me when I see that. I'll put it that way. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. So let's jump in then to the other one, uh, foot angle and, and talk yep. to us a little bit about what foot angle is and, and how we quote unquote measure it as well. So angularity, most of the time when we talk about angles in cattle, we're looking for a 45 degrees is kind of our ideal. Okay. If we start getting too straight up and down, we, those are what we call post-legged or, or straight cattle uh, and too much angle. Those are the cattle that kind of get camped under or have some, some other issues. The, the ones where they're, uh, pastures even set down on the ground. And so this is 
basically looking at that that angle of the pastern and we're looking for about the 45 degree angle once again so it again has a one to nine scale with a one being very straight up and down so that's the cattle that kind of walk on their tippy toes uh, a five is ideal and then a nine is the one that that sets way too low um, on their on their pastures and so those are the the ones that even the dew claws sometimes make contact with the ground on those cattle and and let's maybe put this in uh, you know kind of general terms um, that that angularity that we are looking at is that kind of angle right above that that hoof right exactly yep yep that's the called the pastern and that's that's right where we're talking about yep and and so as we get to animals that are a little more posted legged or straight up in that angle that that do claw sets up you know much higher above the ground versus say a a nine where that angular is too low and, and there's too much flex and you're beginning to see those do claws almost touch the ground right exactly yep and 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 once again both are are concerned and and it's it's another one of those that that age has an effect on as well and and particularly on the getting towards the nine score as cattle get older they they lose some of that flexibility and they they start lowering a little bit more uh, i usually usually if one has good angles as they age you don't see them get straighter <laughs> if anything you see them go the other direction but uh but so but both are concerned and and i once again you know that how we got them way too straight i think largely goes back to the frame score thing you know if we straighten out those angles think about it that puts about another inch on that calf in terms of a hip height and so i think that's what led to a lot of the post-leggedness that we got during that time period so you mentioned age as being something to think about uh, in both of these. And so is there a preferred time at which one would go in and look at these? Yep, and, and get your excellent, excellent question, Jeff. Uh, what the recommendation is, is certainly at a year of age, and, and that's going to play probably the largest role in the genetic evaluation of the EPD. But they are requesting that uh, producers continue to send the data in, even on mature cows as, as they uh, get older and, and that's adding to the information that we have and and uh, and so absolutely at yearling uh, if you can collect it at other time points as they get older uh, it, it is beneficial as well oh that's good to know so um, in in terms of you know if I if I sold you some heifers at, at weaning time then um, it kind of falls on you to to send that information in at yearling right it, it does now some of the issues there. And, and once again, this is just on the seed stock side of things, but, but we don't want to go into this, I know, but that starts interfering with our contemporary grouping and all. So uh, uh, we, for contemporary grouping purposes, we would like for folks to hold on to them through yearling anyway, so, as a seed stock producer. So it, that's it, a good it, point. from a genetic evaluation standpoint, that's certainly in our best interest. 
Good point. Good point. So let's jump into these EPDs then right. and, and tell us, maybe start with Clawset as an example. And well, and we can, we can talk about it. Yep. We can talk about them the same, Jeff, because the EPD works exactly the same for both of them. And ideal is lower values when we talk about uh, either foot angle or Clawset. Uh, so, so lower EPDs means better claw set. That means that that bull's a higher percentage of his daughters are going to be close to five for their for their scores. Okay, and so uh, we're, we're the higher the number is. Now it doesn't tell you direction, but but if a bull has a high uh, either foot angle or claw set score, it simply means that that his he has a higher percentage of his daughters that are going to have problems it doesn't tell you which direction but a higher percentage of them that that are likely to have problems so so don't think about it so it, it it's it, it and i, I know it, it, you have to be careful how you think about this because some would think well lower values that's going to get us down to say the very steep you know post-legged type cattle and very high numbers uh, gets us, you know, like the scoring system. It doesn't work the same as the scoring system. So uh, concentrate on getting the lowers num the numbers lower uh, when we're talking about the EPDs. So just in general terms, if we're looking at maybe a normal distribution curve and that mean is in the middle, that EPD value is, isn't going to tell you left or right. It just says how much it deviates from the middle point exactly. on that average. Exactly. So there, um, when we look at some of these EPD values, then what kind of range of numbers are we looking at with this um, claw set and foot angle? So for both of them, Jeff, the claw set and foot angle, the, the average EPD within Angus is right at a 0.5. Uh, but what producers need to understand is, is we're talking about very, very small numbers that can make some sizable difference in, in what we see because the the top one percentile for say claw score uh, that that it takes a 0.29 to get in the top one percentile but the bottom five percentile so the very worst of the breed is only a 0.65 and so there's not huge separation so what that tells us is is even though this is a reasonably highly heritable trait uh, it's going to take some time to make significant progress. It's going to take a, a little bit of time to move the bar on this, these traits. Uh, with the, the claw, I mean, with the angle, it's the same thing. Uh, average 0 0.49, uh, best of the breed 0 0.31 to basically the worst of the breed is around a 0.61. So don't, don't look for massive differences and that you're going to move the scale uh, in, in, in one or two generations. It's going to take a little bit of time. All right, there. So you probably get this question a lot with other EPDs. If if I have animals that I think are are good um, in foot structure or, or foot angle and, and claw set, and I want to make sure that I don't deviate away from that, um, you know, what percentile do I need to be looking at, or, or what's your suggestion on how to use these EPDs? Well, to be honest, Jeff, if if you're where if, if you're where you want to be right now, uh, you still need to be selecting bulls that are towards the upper end. Uh, you certainly want above average. Uh, and, and of course, with all this, it kind of comes into uh, 
what kind of pricing scale we're seeing too. Like it, currently without this being a major sort of an EPD that's being selected for, you can probably hold your criteria pretty high uh, and, and get, get the bull without having to overspend for it. Uh, but I think that, that we definitely want to attempt it if we have it where we want to be still try and stay uh, in, in that upper half if we can. Uh, but once again, uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to scare people off of those bulls that, that are a little below average either. Since we don't have a huge spread, it's not like you're going to make drastic change in the wrong direction if you happen to buy a bull that's in the bottom half. So that makes sense. I, you know, I just don't sure. I, I don't want to. I don't want to underemphasize or overemphasize this EPD. It needs to be a tool in the toolbox, but it probably doesn't need to be the major player, at least at this time, unless you have a serious problem. And if you don't, then, then you know, I, I just don't get too carried away. And the, from a functionality standpoint, it, it still we need to go out and look visually at the, the bulls we may be buying to make sure that, you know, they do have good foot angle and, and claw set. Well, it's extremely important if we don't have the EPDs. Now, once again, uh, I don't think this should be your only structural thing. Now, four foot angle and four claw structure, yes, the EPD is what we need to use instead of visual appraisal, but we still have to visually appraise and look for that shoulder angle, uh, the set of the hock, you know, the the hooks to pins, you know, the, the level back. We, we still have to take all that into consideration as well as these EPDs for the, for what's happening down in the foot area. Good point. Good point. Well, these, these EPDs are um, probably going to continue to be adopted and, and developed for other breeds as we move through time. Correct? Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're, I think we're going to see more and more of the breeds taking up this EPD. There, there's many breeds that are in the collection phase of getting the data in. Um, I, I think it's here to stay. And, and, and we may, at some point in time, Jeff, I think we'll even get more in-depth on the total structure of the animals. Uh, our European friends, you know, they do a lot on, on some of these linear measurements and, and doing whole structure uh, EPDs and all. So the technology is there to be able to do it. The, that might be one of those things that um, that we can learn from our neighbors across the pond and uh, implement some of that here in the U.S. I think we'll see that as time goes along as well. Yeah, that's it's always uh exciting to, to see where things are going to move in the future and what traits we're going to be able to have EPDs for to, to help us in our breeding and selection. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, Dare, this has been kind of a good introduction and overview of, of these two new EPDs. Do you have any kind of closing comments on, on these two traits that you'd like to make? Um, I, like I said, I, I think the, the primary thing, Jeff, is, is, is start getting used to them. Uh, so, and, and particularly if you're a seed stock producer, send in your data. Uh, the more data that we can get sent in and the, the, the better we can make this analysis. And, and, and that plays a role, you know, on two ways. Not only does it improve the EPDs, but if they're sending in their data and they're also sending in their having the bulls genomically tested, 
this all goes into play into making those tests better as well. So uh, for the seed stock guys, please send in all the data that you can, get your bulls genomically tested as well. For the commercial guys, start paying attention to this EPD, uh, but give it the right level of emphasis, make it a part of your total selection program. Uh, don't go full bore uh, selecting just for these traits, um, make it a part of the total program. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you being on today, Dare, and sharing with us a little bit about uh, these two new EPDs. And, and um, enjoyed it, Jeff. And thanks for the opportunity. It's good to get this information out. If, if folks are interested in learning a little bit more about um, these two uh, EPDs and, and the scales, uh, where would you direct them to get more information? I would absolutely have them contact the breed association that, that they're interested in. And, and on the website, there's so much information available. Uh, all the breed, different breed associations uh, list all their EPDs, lots of information about what that EPD will and won't do, and uh, lots of valuable information on the websites. A another source for a lot of information on beef cattle genetics in general is a group I'm involved with called ebeef.org. And as you can imagine, our website is ebeef.org. So uh, go and take a look, and there's lots of information there. Excellent. And uh, some some additional information is, is likely going to also be found through the Beef Improvement Federation site too, right? Absolutely. That's always a good source. Yes. All right. Well, Dare, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we look forward to having future visits with you. I think we talked a little bit earlier about maybe uh, discussing the the hair coat shedding score here, so maybe we'll get you back on real soon before uh, it gets too warm out <laughs> and, and folks can maybe think about start collecting that information, right? Sounds good. Yep. Uh, hopefully there will be multiple things for us to talk about coming down the road. Sounds good. And again, thank you, Dare, for, for joining us today enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Beef Bits podcast. We hope you found it enjoyable and informative. Be sure to subscribe to the Beef Bits podcast for future episodes as well as listen to previous ones. Until next time, be safe and reach out to your county extension office for more information on beef management topics.